Well, what is the name that's above all names? Come on, church, say it like you mean it. What is the name that is above all names? His name is Jesus. And we know that there is no other greater name by uh, which men, there is no other name by which men must be saved. His name is Jesus. And if you ever get tired of saying Jesus, something's wrong with you. Would you agree? So listen, we come to the place this morning. We're going to take the book of Acts, chapter 18. We're going to finish there, verses 24 through 28. I was, didn't have a good example today. I was trying to think what a great example would be. I didn't really have a good example of something of contrast of old to new. And lo and behold, my mother walks in this morning and hands me my driver's license from 1988. I'm not going to show it to you because Chris has already said you had hair, dark hair. And by the way, just for a note, the bullets in the, the date was in the bullets in Chris. I'm, I'm probably inadvertently knocked that out. So the, Chris put the date, today's date in there. It was me that knocked it out, but there's a picture of me. If you want to see it, you can laugh at it. After church, you're welcome to look at it. <clears throat> but this is not who I am. This is spiritually the picture that I needed for today of actually who I look like. I look similar. You can see characteristics that are similar. This is me. The weight is a little bit more than it used to be. It says I weigh 140 pounds. I think I'm going to go back to this license. I'm going to start carrying this. This is not valid. Is that true? But I want you to see a picture here today as we look at Apollos today in the Word of God. Somebody who looks like me, uh, somebody who sounds like me, someone who acts like me, but somebody who was not me. That's my, I, got, I have the same name, don't have the same address, it's the same DNA, but there's something changed in this spiritual side of me that's changed. The Holy Spirit now lives inside of me. A different me, if you look at my driver's license today... Yes, the weight's changed. Yes, the hair color's changed. But I'm still me. But I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The old me has passed away. The Bible says old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And so I don't look new on the outside. I'm a 1969 model, right? You look at a 1969 car, they're all falling apart and those have been restored. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting restored, isn't it right? Trey restored my f- teeth. I woke up the other morning and Look like uh, something off of, I don't watch many movies, but Dumb and Dumber, my tooth broke and called in. They said it'd be next week. And I said, she said, uh, Trey's reception, just don't smile for a week. We'll get you next week. And, and I said, well, it's kind of part of my job as a pastor. I'm supposed to smile. And of course, they got me back in that day. You got me fixed up. These, you told me not to bite stuff, but I, I've been using them pretty good. So, yeah, see you next week. <laughs> it's this time of the season. My eyes, you'll see, everybody's going to come between Pastor, your eyes red. My left eye, I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, it's going to look like I have pink eye. I know what pink eye is. I've had it about 16 times being a children's minister. It's not pink eye. But I'll go to the doctor over here on the north side, and he'll give me some little bottle of something, and I'll put it in there, and it'll go away. Happens every year now, just about. There's, there's an old me. I'm new inside, but on the outside, I'm old, right? And we're getting older. We're going to see today Apollos. There's an old Apollos we're going to see, and then there's a new Apollos that comes on the scene. If you would, go to Acts chapter 18, take a copy of God's Word, His Holy Word, and turn to Acts chapter 18. We're going to look a little bit at Apollos. We're going to see some familiar names in here as well. And I'll keep myself up here looking at myself so I can remind that that guy wouldn't have sat a long time in the church to listen to preaching, so, unless he had to. Acts chapter 18, beginning verse 24, the Bible says this, Now a certain Jew named Apollos... He was born in Alexandria, and that's Egypt, by the way, a port city in Egypt. An eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, he came to Ephesus. And this man, by the way, Ephesus is where? Do you remember where it is after all this journey we've been doing? Ephesus is modern-day what? It would be, be Turkey. Modern-day Turkey today is where he would be. So on a map we, we would look. Verse 25, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila, or Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he had arrived, he, he greatly received, helped, excuse me, when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, as we pray and we've sang this morning, your name is the greatest name. Lord, your name above all names. And Lord, even thinking about Emmanuel, God, Christ with us. God with us. Thank you that you came 
to save sinners like us today. Thank you for redemption, for the plan that you had for mankind. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, thank you, Lord, that we receive salvation in and through the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love and care for us, and Lord, I thank you that you give us the ability to open up this word today. Give us a fresh word from heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you don't have a copy of your notes, I want you to go to your notes and your bulletin there, and that's why we give up those bulletin notes, and that's when I usually sometimes, Chris knows if she gives me my time to give my space to, to change the bulletin, guess what I'll do? I'll say, well, that probably needs to be a different color, and you never give me anything on computer to change, because every, the longer I look at it, the more I change it. It's one of those that customized like an airplane, so that's why today was that of there. But as I was typing this in, look at the first paragraph in your notes. I want you to read this. God had many chosen vessels he used to get the gospel out and grow his church. Is that true? For the last few years, we've been, last few weeks, we've been going through the last few years of the book of Acts, right? It's been years as we read through the chapters. And who has God used? Can you name a name? The churches pop out if you've been here. If you're a guest with us, you don't have to, but if you know, up to this point, who has God used as a vessel to get his word out, get the gospel out, and encourage the church, grow the church? Who has he used? Paul, okay, that was the softball. That was an easy one. Paul, who, who else? Peter. Barnabas. Silas. Lydia. Timothy. Who's writing it? Luke. Who else is in there? Who got beat down for Paul's sake? Got drug out of his house and had to post bond? Dude named Jason, right? A disciple named, should be a dude. A, a disciple named Jason, right? You go down all the list of the people who have been affected by the gospel. And what happens is they're putting it all in. They're like, hey, we're in this thing for life. We're in this thing for eternal life. Some of us come to place and you've been to church your whole life. You've sat heard preacher after preacher after per preacher. You've been in revival service after revival service. And you sit there and you say, this is what I'm supposed to do. On Sunday mornings, I go to church. I sing 3.5 songs. Somebody prays a prayer. Someone speaks from a pulpit. Someone shows a missions video. We offer some prayers again, and we go home. We eat lunch. We take an afternoon nap or whatever you do. You go back to church on Sunday evening. You sit in church. You listen to another sermon. You listen to more singing, a little more praying, and then you go home. Then you start your work week. And on Wednesday, you, traditionally we grew up, you went to church on Wednesday afternoon. You sat under some more preaching. You did a more prayer. You prayed for missionaries and everybody's birthdays and everything that was going on. That's what you did. Does anybody else fall in that pattern growing up as you were a kid? Church, 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 church. It was just attending meetings. And sometimes you, you wonder, well, the power that was happening in the Gospels, why is it happening in the churches today? Are there supernatural things happening in the church today? And the answer is absolutely. So when I became pastor, first thing I did is we stopped Sunday night services. And we started an intentional discipleship. We're going to actually learn the Word of God because you're only going to learn or remember one or two things I say. It's usually something dumb that I'll say today. Uh, McKenzie, obviously, they play a game every time when I say something over and over. I have certain phrases or words that I say that I, you know, they just kind of come out. They keep a bingo score. Have you ever done that? And they, they're, So if you ever see them, they're not taking notes. They're actually just keeping score. I'm just kidding. I used to do that because when someone speaks, and, and i got to catch myself because I'm around teenagers a lot now, if someone says, uh, after everything they got to say, uh, and do it for me. If somebody keeps score today. How many times do I say, uh? If I say, uh, more than, uh, so one, uh, is a single in baseball. If somebody goes, um, uh, that's a double. And you get three, that's, that's the triple, and then, of course, you get a home run if you do four. You ever do that? So we have to be careful how we speak because sometimes we have to constantly correct ourselves because if not, we'll, uh, we'll uh, take you uh, and you'll get focused on the us or the stories or something that's distracting more than the message being preached. Well, Paul was a, a preacher. He was obviously a good preacher. But Apollos, the Bible says he was eloquent in speech. He was cultured. This man had the tools to speak. He actually was a strong, bold speaker before he became a Christian. And what does God do every single time when he gets a strong, bold speaker to come to Christ? What does he usually turn him into? A strong, bold preacher. That's what he does. I guarantee he was probably an ADHD kid as growing up. Uh, God usually uses the worst kids in your class, Sunday school class, and your classroom teachers to do great things for God, boys and girls. And we're going to see these other two that help him. Listen, I want you to see God had many vessels that he chose in the New Testament as he sprung forth to church to grow the church. The Bible says God is no respecter of people. He uses available hearts. You say, well, I don't have the ability. I'm not polished like Apollos. 
I don't have the PhD like Paul. That's not what the Bible says. God's not looking for your abilities. He's looking for your availabilities. And as soon as you make yourself available, then he makes you able. Do you see how it works? It's God who does the saving. It's God who does the cleaning up for us as humans. And then it's God who does the equipping. And as he equips us, we're to go. We just talked about he's a strong tower. It's basically an idea that God is, we run to Jesus and he's safety. But the good thing about that tower is not some castle stuck up on a hill we got to run to. That tower is with us. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The strong tower goes with us. You and I today did not invite God into our presence. He is here. We actually walked into his presence. When you got out of the shower, you were in his presence. When you put on your clothes, you're in his presence. When you're at the store or the marketplace, you're in his presence. This is his kingdom. This is his world, and you just happen to live here. Did you know that? Sometimes we feel like we invite God. By the, by the power of my prayer, I'm going to invite God here. Now, God, listen, we'll come to the place. If people actually call on the name of the Lord, I mean, they live a sinful life. The psalmist told us very quickly, listen, if I regard iniquity in my heart, you'll not hear my prayers. If I'm willfully sinning against God, God's still in the presence, right? Because Satan's got to be in the presence of God. But the blessing does not necessarily come from God. You know what comes from God? Discipline. That's the root word for disciple. So, listen, if you want the blessing of God, obviously live the way God says. And this is what we see in the Word of God. He didn't, listen, he's not a respecter of persons. PhD, somebody with no education, somebody with great riches, somebody with poverty. Listen, he doesn't care. If you're available to the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll use you. But we've got to put first things first. We're going to look at that. He gifts and he guides his people in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Your name that's on your driver's license, listen, is for his namesake. Could you imagine going out and telling somebody that you work for a corporation? I work for whatever XYZ corporation, and I end up tearing things up. I'm stealing stuff from stores, and I'm wearing the company name. I get pulled over or I get arrested and say, well, you can't do that because I work for this company. You ever, could you imagine that? What is your boss going to say? <laughs> You're fired or you gotta, you got to change some things. about. doesn't matter what your name is. Listen, your name represents a greater name. And who does your name represent? If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you represent him. Kids represent Jesus Christ. We go forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that we do, we should be the best worker at whatever it is that we do. Whatever your profession is, whatever. if you stay at home, if you're retired, you should be the best retiree. You should be the best homemaker. You should be the best worker on the assembly line. You should be the best boss because you, listen, you go forth because of the name of Jesus Christ. You represent him wherever you are. You should be the best student because you represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was that way and Apollos got that way. We'll see this. But I want you to remember this. It's not because you're gifted, because you're trained, because you're rich, because you're poor. It's because he gifted you and he wants to guide you in righteousness for his namesake. Throughout our lives, God sends experiences, successes, failures, and godly people to cause us to change. Would you, would you agree? The sermon's title today is The Value of Course Corrections. And I used to think in the military, we would be in the Navy, we'd be sailing. We were in the Caribbean one night or the Caribbean. We, we, I would say both ways. Uh, we were in the Caribbean, and I had to take the top secret report to the captain. Captain couldn't come to our space, but I could take the top secret report to him. And I would have to guard it, make sure the, the bosun mates and the quartermasters, they'd always try to look over with big eyes. And I felt it was my responsibility because I was charged to do it. But they couldn't look over it. Hey, you guys knock it off. Quit looking at the chart. They would try to focus in on it. And we were, I was on the bridge one night, and it's a nice, calm evening. The wind's blowing, and, and just all of a sudden, I'm, he, the captain's reading the report, and he's, got a, he's laid back in his captain's chair, and he's, the windows are open on the bridge, and all of a sudden, the smell of, Heavy, heavy, heavy fish, like bad fish odor, just blew across the, the, the deck. And he ordered full engine stop. It's like, what is that smell? And no one had an answer. There's a dead fish or we thought maybe a whale carcass or something was out there. And we're in the Caribbean. We don't know. Turn on all the floodlights on the side of the ship and look and see. We're within probably 50 feet of a coral reef. Radar had gone down. Sonar had gone down. Our ship was old and it was and not in good shape. We had gotten off course. We were setting a course, obviously, to the west, uh, but we were actually going, drifting to the east. Now, you do know if you start here, the, pick a point, and you are just three degrees off on a ship, 
when you get to your destination, you could be hundreds, if not thousands of miles off course. It depends on how far you have to travel. It's kind of like if you go hiking in the mountains, you ever parked your car with the kids or Hitchcock Woods. Kenzie and I have done this. We parked our car and we took off walking, not paying attention, just enjoying the day, looking at all the scenery. And then you lose your bearings when you get deep into the woods or in the mountains, high in the mountains. And you look back and say, well, the, well, the sun's already starting to go down. And we, we came here. I remember we came this way. And if you're not familiar with the territory, what can happen? If you get your bearings off, you get lost. You get in trouble. When he, Kenzie and I were in there one time, and I said, I, I know it's this way, Kenzie. And we traveled. We found all kinds of things in the woods. There's all kinds of things in the Hitchcock Woods I didn't know was out there. But we couldn't find our way out. We just kept making circles. We, both of us are pretty good direction, directionally. We're not directionally challenged necessarily. So I called Wendy. I said, you've got to come over here and come to the parking lot where we're parked at and blow the horn. Just lay on the horn. So she comes over, and, I, and we got signal somewhere, and I said, now blow the horn real loud. She said, I've been blowing the horn for the last couple of minutes. And we were so deep in the woods, we couldn't hear any of it. So if you're not careful when you change your bearings, what can happen is you're going to get lost or you're going to get in trouble. Is that true? That's in your relationships, your dating relationships, your marriage, your relationships with your children, your financial relationships, name it. You can get in trouble if you're not careful. The value of course corrections in today's sermon title is if somebody comes alongside and kind of scoots you back on the right path. Somebody says, brother, what you doing? Listen, that's wrong spiritually. Or even in life, if somebody says, hey, listen, that's your direction. You ever stop and ask for directions before GPS when we were younger? Because I always know the way, even if I don't know the way. Men, y'all do that? Husbands do that? And we used to say, we used to say all the time, just stop and ask for directions. Pfft, You're going to challenge me to stop? That means I'm going to drive even further. And my role, my role is, hey, we're just going to go over that one big hill down there, one more, one more hill. It's just down there, and then I'll turn around and go back and ask for directions. And as soon as we get to that hill, it's the next hill. And uh, that's how it used to be. Now, it's like, now uh, the phone does it for us. Listen, this is the good news about today. The Holy Spirit does it for us. Well, I want you to look at the notes. Apollos was a Jew from the port city of Alexandria, Egypt. The Bible says he was a cultured man. And here's the fill-in. He was mighty in the Old Testament Scriptures. He knew the Hebrew Scriptures. Well, how would he know the Hebrew Scriptures unless someone taught him? How did Timothy know the Scriptures? Because Paul kind of gives us a sneak peek into Timothy's life. Who taught Timothy the Scriptures? His mother and his grandmother. The Bible even says them by name. He was taught the Scriptures from child, uh, from when he was a young child. We can't help but think Apollos was taught the same things. He was taught in the Scriptures because he knew the Scriptures. The Bible says he was cultured or he was eloquent and he was mighty in the Old Testament Scriptures. If you look at the Word of God, also it says in your notes, Apollos had been taught the Hebrew Scriptures had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He was skilled, but he remained, here's a key word for us today, teachable. How many of us are not teachable anymore? Can't be told anything. You can't tell somebody something, even if they're actually ready to step on a volcano hotspot, you couldn't tell them the difference because they won't hear of it. You know people like that? Does anybody know anybody like that? Don't point fingers at me, right? you got to remain teachable. Or in sports, we call it remaining coachable. We've got students that we have, I believe we have athletic ability in our school. You go to try to teach them something, and they, I know, I know, I know, I know. What do I do? I walk away from them. I'm never going to spend time with that student again. Why? Until they become what? Teachable or coachable. Because if you're not teachable or coachable, you'll continue to make the same mistakes and, and, and you'll just swear by heaven and earth that you're correct. And everybody else is wrong. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. That's the famous thing that everybody wants to do. Don't tell me. That's pride. That's what got us kicked out of the Garden of Eden, isn't it? Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it my way. This was the same way with Apollos. Apollos came to the place. He was teachable, though. He, he was strong in his speech. He was cultured. He, he knew what he knew. But yet he had that soft spot. He was still moldable and teachable, and the Lord used that spot. In your notes, I want you to look. Apollos began a missionary journey at Ephesus. The Bible tells us very cl clearly in verse 24, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. Why would he leave the port city of Egypt, there in Alexandria, Egypt, go all around the coast or sail straight across to Turkey. Why would he go? It was one of those things in his life. He was compelled to go, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. He had to be there. Who else just left the city of Ephesus? Last week we left him. He's, he set sail back to the church at Antioch to go get some rest and recharge and start his third missionary journey. His name is the Apostle Paul. But who was with him? Who ministered to him? Who encouraged him? Who actually helped him in his time of need in Corinth? 
It was Aquila and Priscilla. And these people pop up and they encourage preachers, and I can't help but think, we talked about this morning in Bible study, how great is their reward in heaven that they're actually still getting rewards because you and me understand from the Word of God. If Aquila and Priscilla can actually take an Apostle Paul, and he lived with them for 18 months, y'all, how much would you learn from the Apostle Paul, 18 months, working with you, eating with you, living with you, how would you learn from him? What would you learn from him? The things of God, is that true? That would equip you. Imagine how, how outstanding that intensive discipleship was, how that intentional discipleship took them from place to place. And this is what the Bible teaches about salvation. This is what the Bible teaches about justification. This is what the Bible teaches about sanctification. This is what the Bible teaches about baptism. This is what the Old Testament scriptures taught about he was coming, that the Messiah was coming. Isaiah 53 says it talks about Jesus Christ. His, by his stripes we are what? Well, you know where that comes from. And Paul would explain to them, for 18 months they went to an intensive school with Paul. And their problem was they were refugees. They got kicked out of Rome because they were Jews, not because they were Christians. And they could have been, oh me, oh my. You ever done that when something goes bad in your life? It's getting ready to be Christmas. People are talking about, well, COVID's been so bad, we don't have enough money to buy gifts. Let me encourage you to do this. Don't buy gifts. Amen? We have each other. You have life. Enjoy one another. Sing songs. Pray prayers. Write notes. Draw pictures. Whatever you got to do. But listen, don't go in debt, further in debt, and get yourself in misery just because that's what you're supposed to do. Some people are talking about, we're going to buy, have the greatest Christmas ever because we've had such a bad last eight months. It's the foolish thing to do is go out and get yourself in debt just to have stuff because then the stuff's going to have you. Is that true? Give yourself to your family. Give yourself to a time with each other. Give yourself to God. Listen, come to the place. Look for somebody like the, uh, the Apollos, the preacher, or evangelist Apollos. Look for somebody like him to invest in. Look for somebody like Aquila and Priscilla to invest in. These, this couple that always pops on the scene at the right time. Paul left them in the Ephesus, with the church at Ephesus. Paul went on to Antioch. Why were they in Ephesus? Because God had a divine appointment for Apollos to meet them. Because, watch what happens. Same thing that happened with Paul. Where's the first place these Jewish men that have come to the place with the gospel of Jesus? Where's the first place they want to go? They want to go to the synagogue. They want to teach the Jews. And, and for the Greeks here, they want, they want them to hear it. Apollos, look at your notes. Apollos began a missionary journey to Ephesus. He was limited in his knowledge about Jesus. He preached about Jesus, but he only knew of the baptism of John. Apollos preached baptism of repentance, and I gave you Acts chapter 13. Could you go back and look at that just a second, Acts 13? Look at the Word of God says in verse 24 and 25. Acts 13, 24 and 25. When you're there, say amen. Word of God says this, After John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he, I am not Jesus. But behold, there, one, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Who was John referring to? Jesus. And we talked about this morning. Was Apollos saved when he got to Ephesus, or did he get saved when he got to Ephesus? He went there with a mission to preach, obviously, the Old Testament scriptures. He was compelled by the Holy Spirit to move on. And the argument's both ways. The scholars say it both ways. Yes, he was saved when he got there. He didn't have full knowledge. And scholars say, no, he didn't have full knowledge. But we know by the time we finish these four verses, he full well knew that he was a Christian. He full well knew that what Jesus Christ was the only Savior. And he full well preached the gospel of Jesus Christ because he had that blessed assurance that we used to preach about that he knew that he knew that he knew that Jesus Christ was his Lord and Savior. Amen? You've got to come to that place and know that you know that you know that you're saved. If you're confused about your salvation, that's not from God. God brings clarity 100% of the time. Now, if you're worried about your salvation, that's a good thing to do, right? Up until the point, and I say, should say worry, be concerned about your salvation, because somebody who is not concerned is not saved. True? Or you come to the place that you're so assured that you come to the place, I'm not concerned any longer about my salvation, but there was those days that I had doubt. Anybody else ever have doubt about your faith ever in your life? Raise your hand. I want you to look around. I want you to see that we're not alone when you go to these. You think everybody else has got it perfectly right, and I'm messed up. Well, you might be messed up. I can't fix that, right? And I might be messed up. But we can have the assurance from Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit that says you're saved and sealed to the day of 
salvation, right? To the day of redemption. You say, well, how can I know that? I take the word of God, and I say, what does it say about me? The word of God says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Come on, church, you know this better than I do. Romans 10, 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that saved is being sealed until the day of redemption. Paul says again in Romans chapter 8, who can take you from the hand of God? Think about somebody trying to, and I know God doesn't have fingers necessarily, Jesus does, but trying to open up the hand of God. Who are we little people compared to holy God? Paul says nothing. I'm, I'm convinced that no angel, no devil, nothing high and low, death, life. He goes in a whole list from Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 39. He says nothing. I'm, I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. Nothing can take me from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can take me from the hand of God. So how many times must you be saved, brothers and sisters? One time. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? One time. You cannot and you will not put him back on the cross. He will not go back to the cross for you because your insecurities. He did it once and for all. You will accept his way or no way at all. You either will accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you will reject Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's every person on the planet who's ever lived, who will ever live, they will make a decision. Yes, I want to ask Jesus Christ into my heart and life because of conviction. I believe he's the Savior. I know I'm a sinner. He's the Savior. I want him in my life and heart and soul. I want him to take over my life. That's when you come to the place of humbling yourself and asking him to come into your heart and life. The other person is, I'll wait till later. Not today. I'm not sure. I want to think about this. I want more information. That person, listen, when they walk out those doors and if they die, they're forever doomed because they don't hear that sermon forever in their heart. You must be born again. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When Jesus said, listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, what do you think he meant? He meant exactly what he said. Come to the place and look, Paul, Apollos shows up and he rolls into the synagogue to, and preaching at the synagogue. There, there, this is where he would have an audience with Jewish brothers. He preached boldly and fiercely, fearlessly among them. You know what? By the way, there's two people sitting in the audience that day. And you might be sitting here today and listen, I love when someone says, hey, Pastor, did you think about this? I just bit my tongue. Hey, Pastor, did you ever think about this? And they bring their Bible and they open up the Bible and they show me something from Scripture that goes along with the sermon. That, does ne that never discourages me. That encourages me. I'll, write, I'll make a note. I'll, I'll make a note. Or if you teach Bible or, or someone will say something from Sunday school, your teacher, maybe you did this happens to our Sunday school teachers, and I thank God for our Bible teachers that are in this church. Somebody would come up and say, hey, listen, I was studying that same thing. Did you know this actually refers to this? And you would think, well, don't tell me. I'm your teacher. That's not how it works in the kingdom of God, is it? The economy of Christ is like, listen, that's awesome, brother. There's 66 books for us to be reading through. And you found something in one of the books or one of the passages I didn't happen to come across. Praise God. I'll write that down. That's, that's awesome. I'm, you mind if I use that later, right? That's how preachers get sermons most of the time, right? We get encouraged in each other or get encouraged in the faith. Or somebody says, let me tell you what happened to me this week. And they tell a story about salvation or they tell a story about someone coming to Christ or they tell us something encouraging. And we get excited with each other and say, listen, i got to write that down. i got to tell somebody. What's the best way for us to tell somebody today? Listen, we can tell people with our fingers, can we not? We can tell people with our mouths today, can we not? With our phones. we got all kinds of ways of telling people today about the love of Jesus Christ. Paul is, Paul is kind of the place. He's preaching boldly. He's preaching the, listen, Old Testament scriptures. He knew the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. Do you know them? Is there salvation in the Old Testament scriptures? Listen, who do we see throughout the, from Genesis to Malachi, who do we see threaded throughout all of those Old Testament scriptures? His name is Jesus. But we have to come to the place that the new covenant didn't happen until the New Testament. When we get into Matthew, we see John the Baptist preaching, there's one coming, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He pointed him out. Did John ever have any doubts in his preaching? He did. He got locked up in jail and he sent his disciples saying, hey, would you go ask him, <laughs> are you really the one? I, I know I'm preaching, I've been preaching you're the one, but would you really, are you really the one? And I think Jesus said what well, I said this morning with a chuckle. Tell John, the blind can see, the deaf can hear. All of the things that the Messiah is supposed to do, Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, yes, I am. Jesus said, tell John. Tell the works that I've done. 
Do you know how God shows himself through works? Jesus even told you and me and his disciples, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's stop right here. How's your works? How's your language? How's your social presence? How's your reputation in the community? How are you standing up among things? It bothers me sometimes when someone preaches the word of God and they'll share things on, on Facebook and then turn back around and curse. I'm like, that's, that's two-handed. You ever been double hit twice with two hands? It's a double blow for the kingdom of God. Listen, God wants you to be holy as he is holy. You say, well, how can I be holy? You let him lead. You ever dance? Let the lead lead. Let the Holy Spirit lead. Apollos is here preaching. Aquila and Priscilla heard Apollos preach. They're still going to the synagogues. Paul's gone. And guess where they go? Can they still go and sit under Old Testament preaching? Oh, yeah. You ever read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges for yourself? You ever read the Psalms, the Proverbs for yourself? You ever read the prophets, the major amount of prophets for yourself? The Old Testament is still relevant to the point that we actually learn from God. Yes, things were specific to the Jews in some areas. Yes, things were very specific dietary restrictions they had under the law. But we can still learn about God's greatness from Genesis to Malachi. We can learn about God's greatness from Matthew to Revelation. By the way, Aquila, you know what his name means? Eagle. That's a powerful name, isn't it? You imagine your name's Eagle? And his wife's name, her name comes from the Latin name Prisca. Prisca. It means ancient or old. Prisca. They used their gifts of encouragement to help Apollos make a course correction. They privately took him aside and explained the full story of the life of Jesus. They went through and said, listen, you're a great speaker. Can you imagine how you would actually approach the preacher today? You're a great speaker, brother. There's something you're missing. Did you know, and they basically, they were Jewish as well, so they could speak to him because culturally to culturally. But brother, listen, we come to the place, we're Messianic Jews. We believe Jesus was the Messiah. We actually have experienced him. We've received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. They shared with him, and the Bible says very clearly, look what happens. Go back and look at the verse. Verse 27, and when he desired, to, uh, excuse me, verse 26, so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and Priscilla heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. What do you think they did to him? Make him mad? No, it fired him up. He settled it with God that day. In that verse 26, he settled it because now he's fired up. He wants to go to Turkey even in a greater way or over to Corinth now. And that's sin city. He wants to go to Vegas and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants to go get it on, if you will. He wants to engage hard with the Jews because he wants to take the Old Testament and make it real to them because, listen, the Old Testament pointed to Jesus. And now it's real to him. And he goes to the place with all of his education, all of his culture, all everything that he brings with him, and he brings in his culture in there, and he says, listen, let me tell you, this, the Bible says he was coming, right? Y'all know the story. Genesis, he's coming, he's coming. Exodus, he's coming. Passover lamb's coming, right? All the way through the Old Testament, he's coming. And then we all, lo and behold, we get into the New Testament and say, he has come. He is here, and he walked among us. We just sing the word. Y'all sang it for yourself. If you were singing, you said, his name was Emmanuel, did you not? Which means God with us. How do you know it means God with us? There's only one way you know that. The Bible tells you so. Amen? He was God with us. Y'all are dead and sleepy this morning. Listen, this is exciting stuff. God was with us. God walked among them. John says, we touched him. Read John chapter 1. We touched him. We handled him with our hands. We, we saw him. We heard him. We were with him. We're telling you the truth. We're witnesses of that. And then John the Baptist comes back and says, hey, he's coming. He's the, I'm his forerunner. I'm not him. There's one. He, I can't even untie his shoelaces. I'm not worthy to touch him. That's who John the Baptist said he was. And lo and behold, we get to this point. Got to the New Testament. He was with us. We crucified him. We put him in a tomb, right? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus puts him in a borrowed tomb. Why was it a borrowed tomb? Because he didn't have plans to stay there. Amen? He rented it. It was an Airbnb for three days, right? He did it for a short time. 
Because he rose again because he said he would. Because he's God. And then the rest of the New Testament says, listen, yes, he did come. Yes, he was here. But listen, let me tell you something even greater. He's coming again. Listen, church, that should get you excited. He's coming again. Those of us that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, saints of the Holy God, listen, we're going to be raptured up. The Bible says, taken away that quickly. Are you looking forward to it? Do you think about it? In the news, in light of the news today, doesn't it seem like it's getting closer and closer and closer? Just like it is, listen, when a woman gives birth, as closer the baby comes, listen, pains get a little louder, don't they? You ever been in the room? Ever had your fingers twisted? And br- That's another sermon for another day. Don't hold a pregnant woman's hand when she's giving birth. Just a note, young, young, young dads, young dads-to-be, be don't ever touch a woman giving birth, not especially her hand to your hand. She will wring them off. Church, listen, Jesus is coming again. Something we should rejoice in. Paul hears this, listen, Apollos hears this, sorry. And listen, when you get to the place of seeing how they're encouraged, did you think Paul heard about this? Oh, absolutely, he did. Uh, do you think Paul's excited now? There's another on fire preacher, Jewish preacher over there in Ephesus while I'm over here in Antioch. Do you think something's going on? Where's the Ethiopian by now? Y'all forget about him? Philip baptized him. He's going where? He's going back to Egypt. He's going south. He's back in Ethiopia. He's on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you see what God's doing? Over Thanksgiving, I don't know if I can say this in the church or should say it, but I know people watching my video. You ever shot Tannerite? My brother's a pyrotechnic, uh, explosive-loving guy. We always get this little can you buy at the academy and shoot it, and it explodes greatly. You probably a few pounds can knock out that back wall when you shoot it with a high-powered rifle. It just blows everything up. It's, it's pretty awesome. Alex has cut down a tree with it before. Uh, you can, we, we added shrapnel to the mix this Thanksgiving. We always shoot things when we get together and blow something up. But that one little tenor, a little bit of can, just something of nothing, if you put the right high-powered rifle bullet into it, if you hit it right on the mark, guess what it does? Great explosion. I have a video if you want to see it at the church. It's incredible. Great explosion, then it changes the dynamic of the area which it set, right? Listen, don't you think about the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit comes upon a man or woman and they begin to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ, it's greater than Tannerite. It's, it's greater than dynamite, right? It comes to the place it changes people's lives. It changes people's households. When a daddy becomes a Christian, listen, usually typically in America, the whole, ham, the whole family becomes Christians. When it comes to the place, when mama's changed, it changes the kids. When the kids are changed, listen, it changes their friends. When the friends are changed, it changes the school. You cannot help but listen. It comes to the place when the people of God get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. We change a community. Instead, what do we do today? We're griping about who's in office. We're griping about the, the vote. We're griping about there were 7 million votes here and 1 million votes here. We're, we're griping about like something like we can care. You didn't care about those votes at all until the news told you to care about those votes. You didn't complain at all. Some of you didn't even vote. If you didn't vote, don't you ever speak to me about who's in office. Because I have a conversation for you that you don't want to hear. Shut your face if you didn't vote. Isn't that true? Can you all get an amen to that? If you're able to vote and you didn't vote, shut your face. You have nothing to say about our country. Just ride the, ride the roller coaster and go where it goes. The rest of us can complain over a cup of coffee at least, right? And then turn it over to Jesus. Y'all look what happened here. These people come alongside Apollos, Aquila and Priscilla. They encouraged him in the word of the Lord. They encouraged him and said, listen, brother, you got everything right except for the last part. And let me show you the last part. And listen, we know what did the disciples always teach, always teach in the, in the New Testament. You must be born again. you got to be saved. And then what it comes to immediately after salvation, baptism by immersion. Is it important? It is because God said it was. Jesus himself said, go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I've taught you. And remember, I'm with you always until the end of the age. Is salvation important? Yes, it's the only way to heaven through Jesus Christ. But is baptism by immersion important? The answer is yes, because it is the only biblical model that we see. Everybody that was baptized in the Bible was baptized through immersion, not sprinkling, not throwing on water. They were baptized by immersion. They come to the place that we should actually follow the model that was set before us for the early church. So we know that Paul, he got it right because these two brothers 
I mean, this brother and sister, this couple, they dedicated their life to helping preachers. Even when they were having hard times and they were sent out of Rome, they helped Paul. Now that they're in Ephesus, Paul's gone away, a new preacher's come to town, guess what they do? They use their house as a place to actually love on and love the preacher. And I gave a wrong verse this morning, and I couldn't think of it. Trey found one, but it's the one I was looking for. It was Romans 16. I want you to look at this. Romans 16. Watch what Paul says of these, these families. Aquila and Priscilla, watch what he says. Romans chapter 16, verse 3 and 5. I didn't have this in your notes today, but I want you to see it. It bothered me when I had the wrong verse in, in Sunday school. Sometimes the teacher gets it wrong. 16, verses 3 through 5a, the first part of 5a. When they say amen. Paul says this, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. What did he think of them? Less than or equal to. In this culture, women were actually owned. They were property of the husband. Any of you guys like that? Don't say anything. You're going to get a punch out of the church. But in this culture, women were owned. But Paul comes to the place and says, my fellow workers. He saw Priscilla equal to the place in the kingdom as him. He saw Aquila to the place in the kingdom equal to him. He comes to the place and said, my fellow workers who, watch what they did. This is kind of a funny saying. Who risked their necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles likewise greet the church that is in their house. Here's Aquila and Priscilla later on. It's not a part of their sermon. What are they still doing? They're still encouraging the church. Now they've used their house to host preachers. 18 months with Paul. Now they've moved over to Ephesus. They're hosting uh, Apollos. And now they're going to the place when Paul writes a letter to the Romans. He says, listen, I, I greet Aquila and Priscilla because now they're using their house as a house church, as a home group. They're meeting and they're using what they had available to forward the kingdom of God. They were not preachers. They were not evangelists like Paul and Apollos. But what they had, they used. And every time, listen, think about a young person coming alongside, a young Jewish person, they would do course corrections. Hey, brother. And every time you tell the story, do you ever get tired of telling the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost person? It's like it's new. Every time you share, you're like, I just got to tell you. Let me show you. Let me, let me share it with you. Circumstances might be different, but the story never gets old. Let me finish you out. Apollos equipped with full truth of the gospel, traveled to Achaia with the full blessing of the church. He was sent on mission. Today is our day of prayer for international missions. The church has never stopped sending. The church has always gave. And Apollos, listen, he had to get his money from somewhere. And where do you think he got his money from? Y'all know what you're about. You don't want to say it because you know that's who you are and you got to give your money up. You see what I'm saying? Where did he get his money from? The church. And what was the money used for? To grow the kingdom of God. They had to pay for his fare over to Corinth. They, if they send him back, they had to pay for his fare wherever he sailed or wherever he traveled, his taxi fare, his food, because he didn't have time to stop and work unless Paul was a tent maker. He got a chance to do it, but he was always preaching. Let me get over here and preach. Let me do a little tent making. Let me preach. And what the church did was put him on mission. They put Apollos on mission. They put Paul on mission. Peter's on mission. Even the Ethiopian, now God has used him. He's put him in a very financially stable place. He's on mission. Philip, we don't even know where Philip is until we get to chapter 22. We're going to see him pretty soon, by the way. Philip, last time we saw him, was talking to an Ethiopian, baptizing him, cutting off, going north on the coast. He's down in the Mediterranean. We would say, look at Philip, right there on the coast of the Mediterranean, just relaxing. Who wouldn't want to be there eating olives and cheese and you know, sipping on the nicest of sips? And who, who wouldn't want to be Paul and Apollos just traveling, just gallivanting around the country, just doing whatever they want to do and preaching here and preaching there? You ever heard somebody talk about preachers or missionaries like that? Walk out of their presence. If they ever talk about another brother or sister like that, walk out of their presence. If it's you, stop it. We must be about sending people on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. It takes money. It takes resources. And listen, let me give you a course correction this morning. It takes you. It takes you praying. It takes you studying. It, you might be Apollos today. You might be the next preacher who takes, somebody's going to take this pulpit when I die or when I'm gone. Someone's going to stand here, hopefully, and preach the Word of God. Someone's going to lead the music. Someone's going to come to the place to run the sound and audio. Someone's going to watch the babies. It's got to be the next generation. Are we raising up the next generation to love Jesus Christ? 
We must be about the work of the kingdom. If we're preachers, we must preach. If we're teachers, we must teach. If we're givers, we must give. If we're encouragers, we must encourage. Do you see? Get a course correction and get back online with God and do what he's called you and me to do. You're different than me and I'm different than you, but we all have a calling in the kingdom to go do our part. That's your course correction day. Quit getting off yourself and woe is me and get on to, listen, how great is our God. Amen? Get on course with God. Get back on course if you've strayed off. The church sent Apollos on mission. The church sent Paul on mission. The church had to pay for the things. And guess where? When Paul said, my God shall supply all of his need according to his riches and glory. I've told you before, where was his riches? They were not in heaven dropping out of heaven like coins. It wasn't like some video game. Where was the riches and glory? Sitting in the back pockets and the checking accounts of all the people in the church. You, my friend, my brother, my sister, You've got to go forth and give. You've got to pray, and you've got to go so that people might know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The days are getting dark. Finally, let me finish this. Apollos was a great help to those who, through grace, had believed and had followed Jesus as Lord and Savior. He strengthened the church of God. He strengthened the church of God. And Apollos powerfully refuted the Jews, publicly proven by the Scriptures that Jesus, here's the last fill-in, is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Amen? Questions I had for you. And I'll shorten it. Do you know Jesus personally? Do you know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? You must know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yes, there'll be days of doubt, but you've got to know from the Word. What does the Word say? When I, whoever calls upon them, the Lord shall be saved. Well, I have called on His name, and I did ask Him to come to my life. Does that equal salvation if I come to the place? The answer is yes. You come to the place and do what Scripture says to do. The Bible does not say come to a Baptist church, Methodist church, Presbyterian church, and just sit there. It doesn't say go through some works and rituals and do, if you, if you make the right sign of the cross on your forehead or your chest. It doesn't say, listen, if you go through and you count so many beads on a rosary. It doesn't say if you go through all these different things, you will be saved. It says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It, it's a heart and a head transformation. It's something when you know that you've been saved, you, I, I'm so sorry for my sins. Lord, will you forgive me of my sins? And he stands there and waits every time and says what? Yes, I'll forgive you because he's a God who loves. The Bible says he is a God. God is love. Jesus said God loves us so much that he gave. How much more should the church of God give? Give of our time, talent, our resources. Are you teachable? Are you moldable for discipleship? If you were wrong, would you be willing to make a course correction to make things right? Yes or no? This old guy don't exist anymore. He was a crazy fool, just for the record. I knew him personally. He was crazy. His older version is still crazy, but he's redeemed crazy. There's a difference, right? If I do some of those things and I die, I guess where I'm going. Listen, where am I going when I die? Some of you don't know. I'm telling you very clearly, I don't care what you think of me, when I die, I'm going to heaven. When there's a box or whatever box, whatever Wendy decides to put me in, when I die, if she's still here, and somebody stands up and says, he was a great man, don't go to all the list of what he was, talk about where I am. He's walking the streets of glory. He's seeing people that have gone before him. He's standing in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the things I won't say at my funeral. What would I say at your funeral? Hard-headed, knuckle, listen, come to the place, was confused, wouldn't make any changes. Y'all know people like that? Are they sitting beside you? Don't point, don't, don't nudge. Be moldable, be teachable. Get a course correction in your life. When God puts his finger on something that you're doing this wrong, when, you, when he puts the holy hand of God on your situation, listen, stop and repent. Lord Jesus, I am not saved. I've just been a church member. By the way, that guy was a church member of more than one Baptist church. Did you know that? That guy didn't get saved until he was 21. And he wasn't 21 in that picture. So can you be a member of a church and be lost and go to hell? Yes, you can. By saying some words. Everybody says, well, I've heard testimony. Well, I walked up a vacation Bible school. That's why I'm very careful. Kristen knows this. Mike knows this with the youth. I'm very careful about having these large conversions. Everybody, y'all come forward and everybody give your life to Christ. Because some people just get up and go. They don't know what they're doing. They just fall in the crowd and they say whatever the preacher says. Say these words. It's more than just say these words. It's to the place of, listen, receive the Lord Jesus Christ and tell him from your heart. 
that you love him and you want to be forgiven. And then he will forgive you and he will love you for eternity. Listen, even the people in hell, God loves. Did y'all know that? But they refused to turn. They said, Jesus paid it all. I know that, but I'll pay for it myself. No, thank you. I don't want the ticket to ride, right? I don't want, I don't want the, the train to heaven. I'll, I'll get my own way there. And that's exactly what they're going to do the rest of their life. But they're never going to make it to heaven. You're never going to make it to heaven until you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Do you, here's a, here's a question, church. Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? If you don't know, listen, it's not being embarrassed. I don't know. I want to get it right with God. He's waiting. We're going to sing a song of invitation. We're going to invite you to come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Have, has that hanging baptism been out there? Well, I've been sprinkled, Pastor. How many conversations do I have with people? Well, you, you don't understand. I grew up in a, a different denomination. I was sprinkled. I refused to be baptized. You don't have a problem with me. I didn't actually set up baptism, just for the record. Did y'all know that? It was not my idea. That was, if you're thinking about building, that was a waste of money right there, building a big old bathtub up there. No one even takes a bath in. Not anybody I've ever known, unless you're going after hours when we don't have it still full. But nobody takes a bath in the big old bathtub. It's not, it doesn't have any jacuzzi jets. It's really not very good for anything besides dipping people one time and send them on their way. But that's kingdom work, is it not? Whose idea was that? It was Jesus' idea. It was God's plan. It shows a picture of Jesus' death on the cross, his burial in the tomb, and his resurrection coming out of the grave. Every time someone's baptized, we rejoice saying, praise God. Listen, that's a promise that he said he was going to live again, and he's alive today, and he's coming again, just as he promised. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we do this in remembrance of Jesus, what he did on the cross. He died. He was buried and he rose again. But he's coming again. Listen, he told us to do this until he returns. He's coming again. Church, that's what we've got to be telling the world. There's people lonely and lost saying, I would just, just, just give me fun times. And the fun times run out. This morning, kids waking up with a headache and they set up all night partying. And they're, what is life all about? They've ruined their virginity. They've learned their purity. What's life all about? They're going to do it again next week because they're trying to fill that void. What's life all about? And they're going to do it next week. And guess who has the answer? And that'd be you, and that would be me. And we can tell them about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we know that your word says very clearly that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Just as you moved to Paulus before, he firmly had it set up. And just as you saved Paul on the road to Damascus and knocked him off his horse. And Lord, he, you blinded him. You had to take supernatural um, abilities to blind him and send him on his way. But Lord, truly you take supernatural abilities for us because you're supernatural. We're limited men, women. We know the truth just like Apollos, but we didn't have the full story of Jesus until we received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then and only then, Lord, can we have that blessed assurance that we know that we know that we know that we're saved. And I thank you that Paul, Apollos is in the scripture because there's people who sit in this church year after year thinking they're good with God. And Father, their life does not line up with scripture. Lord, I pray if there's any other people like that in this building. I was one of those people, not this church, but another church. That Lord, they don't know that they know that they know they're saved. And it doesn't bother them. They think they're good with God because their name's on the roll. Father, I pray that you would convict them today. They would get it right, especially this Christmas season as we sing all the stories of your coming. We love you. I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.